Well, friends, it's great to be with you this day as we look to God's word. Over the next handful of weeks, we're going to be looking at resurrection appearances before we move into a series through the book of Acts. So we're excited to be doing this uh, in this season. Today, we're going to be looking at Luke 24, verses 13 to 35 this morning. Now, today we hear of the account of the road to Emmaus. This is one of the early post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And let's just dive right into the text this morning. That's Luke 24. Let's start with verse 13 to 16. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Friends, in verses 13 to 16, we hear of two disciples walking and talking with each other. Well, what was the content of their conversation? Well, of course, they were speaking about the events that had transpired on that first holy week, right? The events that had transpired. We hear that as they were talking and discussing about all of these things that had happened, that Jesus himself drew near, right? That Jesus himself drew near. So maybe just a first minor point, but remember, you disciples of Christ, believers here this morning, that Christ Jesus is present with you as you speak about the events of God's story of redemption. As you meditate on God's story of redemption, Jesus is present with you. Friends, even when we can't see him with our eyes, He's present with us. He's with us always, even to the end of the age. He's with us. As we walk and journey through this present life, friends, he's with us. As we walk and journey through this present life, ultimately, through faith in Christ, en route to the heavenly banquet of eternity, where we will see him face to face, he's present with us. Now back to the text here. These disciples are talking. Jesus draws near and goes with them. But in verse 16, we see that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. This is important for us to note, friends, that, that Jesus will reveal himself to his sheep when and how he chooses to do so. Right? He will effectually call and give his sheep spiritual understanding by the work of the Holy Spirit when and how he chooses to do so. From calling to illumination to understanding to causing one to be born again, regeneration, salvation, friends, and spiritual understanding is, is God's work, and it's all in his timing. And so we see here in verse 16, at this time, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now moving forward here, verses 17 to 21. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? Now in verse 17, we see that Christ is interested. He's interested in the conversation that these two are having with each other. These two disciples, we are told, were looking sad. You see that in verse 17? And they stood still, looking sad. 
Right? They were looking sad. They, they had not right understanding or right interpretation of the events that had transpired. In this moment here, they were sad, without hope. Now, friends, important for us to know as we apply this text to our lives. True joy, friends, true joy only comes when one fully grasps the reality of the resurrection, right? That's when heavenly joy is attained. Joy is only attained when we have a heavenly hope in the risen one. These two don't have that yet, right? They stood still looking sad. They didn't have right understanding of the events that had transpired. They, they hadn't fully grasped the reality of what transpired. So they didn't have that inexpressible joy. Inexpressible joy is, is not what these two felt yet. Because we know, friends, again, true joy only comes when one fully grasps the reality of the resurrection. So verses 18 to 20 Moving forward, forward here, still not knowing who they were talking to, we hear their explanation and interpretation of what had happened on that first Holy Week, right? They spoke of Jesus of Nazareth, who they said was a man and a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and before all the people, and that their own chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and, and crucified him. Right? This is what they said. But they had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. You see that there in the, in the text there? They hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Now, friends, it seems that these two were thinking of some sort of political deliverance of their nation. Plus, it was also now the third day since all of these things had happened. And, well, Christ said he would rise on the third day, but, but they personally hadn't seen him yet. In verse 21, so they were sad. They're without hope, right? Now, what they didn't know was that they were talking to the risen Messiah, right? They were talking to the risen Messiah who, who rose on the third day and came, friends, not to politically redeem Israel, but to spiritually and eternally redeem his sheep who are scattered over the whole world, right? Not just Israel, but all nations. Now let's move forward here. Verses 22 to 27 as we keep trucking along here. Verses 22 to 24 specifically, we see the two go on to speak about the women's report of the empty tomb and the vision of angels, but Cleopas and the other disciple are still sad. They're still without hope, right? They explain these things. And the angels told the women that this Jesus was alive. And some men even went to see the tomb, but, but they did not see the risen Christ. And again, neither Cleopas and this other, they had not seen the risen Christ either. They were sad. They were without hope. They were without meaning. Now Jesus answers here in verse 25. Let's see this here. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? 
right? Christ says here that, that these two are foolish and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, right? Essentially, friends, these two need to study the scriptures more, right? They need to be in their Bibles more. The Old Testament is clear. All of this was prophesied about. All of this was necessary concerning the suffering of the Messiah and his entering into his glory, right? In verse 27, we hear then of the best study of scripture of all time, the best Bible study. What we see, friends, is that from the books of Moses, through all the prophets, the scriptures speak of Jesus. They speak of Jesus. The scriptures point to the Savior, The Old Testament prophets spoke of the Messiah, right? From from Genesis to Malachi, read the Old Testament and you will see Jesus. I liked the way that Matthew Henry, this uh, commentator, put it. He said, a golden thread of gospel grace runs through the whole web of the Old Testament. Right, friends, what we need to know is that Christ is the center of sacred scripture, And like these two, we also need to read our Bibles more. We need to dive into the word of God and study. Let this be an encouragement for us and also convict us that we are to dig into the word more. The word that gives us life more. Into the Old Testament, prayerfully studying and intentionally feeding on God's word. Old Testament and New Testament, because friends, the Old Testament and the New Testament are telling one unified story of gospel grace, one unified story of redemption, pointing to one Savior and one way of salvation through faith in the promises of God that are ultimately fully revealed in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We too need to be in our Bibles more. Let us be convicted and encouraged as we look to this text. Moving forward, verses 28 to 31. Let's keep moving here. So verses 28 to 31, they drew near to the place to which they were going, and then they urged Jesus to stay with them. Now again, they didn't know who he was at this time. Right? They didn't know who he was. But something was stirring. Something was stirring. They, they had never heard the scriptures like that before. They, they were persuaded from Moses and the prophets to expect now the Messiah's suffering and resurrection. Right? Something was stirring in them. They'd soon be ready to recognize him. The Spirit was at work in them. Spiritual understanding was coming and it was happening. Full-blown spiritual sight was coming soon and this was all God's doing. Right? He showed them the scriptures, the meaning with proper interpretation. Something was stirring in them. And so then, because of this, they, they urged him, right? Verse 28 So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us 
Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. And what does Christ do? So he went in to stay with them. Right? He went in to stay with them. They urged him, stay with us. And Christ hears their request. Friends, they desire Christ's company. Well, as we apply this to our lives, let us also desire Christ's company. And he will surely be with us, friends. In fact, he is with us in evening and morning and noon and at all times. So let us consciously then spend time with him, truly desiring his company, right? Desiring his company, praying, being still, meditating on the scriptures as the spirit gives us understanding, right understanding of the word of God, right? Christ himself stirring something in us by the Holy Spirit at work as we meditate on God's word more and more, as we dive into the scriptures more and more, something stirs within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then in verses 30 to 31, we we hear of Christ sharing a meal with these two, right? Where two or three are gathered, he is present. And it's in this shared meal that their eyes are opened. Spiritual sight in this shared meal. Their eyes are opened. Now, friends, to be sure, there's much that we can draw out of this. On the, on the one hand, these actions that we hear, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Verse 30. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. Now, these were actions that a host would perform at a meal to to take the bread, to bless it, to break, to give it, to share it. But clearly, this is also deeply reminiscent of Jesus's institution of the Lord's Supper, which was just a few evenings earlier, back in Luke 22. And it's it's here, friends. And we can't miss this. It's it's here in this shared meal that they, they see him. They recognize him, right? He is present with them and he is seen. Friends, as we gather as well in fellowship, he is present and he is seen. Jesus is on display in in table fellowship, in shared meals, in doing life together. We see Jesus In hospitality, in feeding one another out of love, we see Jesus, Christ who nourishes us physically and spiritually. As we feed each other, we believers, the body of Christ in true fellowship, a true family, we see Jesus. Jesus is on display. The peace of Christ is present at the table. The fruit of Christ is on display in the fellowship of the saints as we do life together, as we share meals together, as we love one another, right? Having meals together, doing life together, our love for one another is shown and Jesus, our loving savior then, is on display, right? He's seen as disciples through our love for one another. Many will see Jesus and be saved through faith. 
in meals together. We're fed physically and we're filled up spiritually. We see Jesus. Jesus is present with us and he is seen in fellowship, friends, in the church, the good fruit in the lives of believers. We see Jesus and the world cannot deny it. Jesus is alive and he is on display in the way that we love each other in fellowship. We see him. And ultimately, friends, of course, in the Lord's Supper, we see Jesus. We see his love for us and remember his sacrifice for us, his death that brought us life, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, the wrath of God he bore for us, the penalty for our sins paid in full. We see him and we feed on him spiritually and truly by faith. He nourishes us. We see him in all of these things. Now back to the text here. The end of verse 31, he then vanishes from their sight. Right? He opened their eyes when and how he wanted to. They saw him for who he is. And now they will believe in him by faith. Faith, even when they cannot consistently see him with their eyes. The eyes of their hearts have been opened. Spiritual sight, right? Just like us believers, friends, those who have been born again, the eyes of our hearts have been opened. Those who have been granted the gift of saving faith, we believe because of what Jesus has done. We understand because he's given us understanding. He's shown us the scriptures. And he's shown us himself. And one day, friends, we will see him face to face in glory at the heavenly banquet. The heavenly fellowship of the saints will see him face to face. Now ending in verses 32 to 35. They said in verse 32, did not our hearts burn within us? But we t- well, he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures. Then they went to tell the 11, saying, the Lord has risen indeed. They've seen him. They told them what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. In verse 32, their hearts were burning Right? On fire. Fire for the word. Something was stirring as he opened the scriptures to them. As the right interpretation of the word of God was made known to them, their hearts were burning. There was this fire being kindled, this stirring in their hearts, this deep-seated interest and zeal for the things of God. This was stirring as the word of God was interpreted to them rightly on their journey, on the road. Something was brewing inside of them before they were sad, before they were without hope, before they had lost all sense of of meaning and then Christ shows up. Then Jesus is present with them and goes with them. Then they're confronted, friends, with the word of God and the Holy Spirit moves within their very hearts and this fire is lit. 
Their hearts are burning. And then Christ reveals himself to them clearly in the breaking of the bread. Right? The word of God, friends, rightly interpreted, drew them, drew them. Something was kindling, something stirring inside, and then they see. And what do they see? The truth, the way, the life. They see Jesus, the risen Savior. Friends, of course, there are many truths we can pull from this account. But as we relate it to conversion, this one personally hits me deep because I was once living in meaninglessness and without hope and sad in many ways, walking on the road of life, trying to interpret truth on my own terms. And then out of nowhere, I was drawn into the word of God. I was drawn to the word of God. Christ showed up in my life. And a fire started getting lit. Something started stirring. Something was kindled. And God caused me to be born again. And I saw Jesus for who he is. And I believed in him for my salvation. And my life's never been the same. A sure heavenly foundation, friend, here today, Believe in Jesus, receive the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life through faith. This unshakable heavenly foundation for your life. Believe in him. Your life will never be the same. And through faith you will live for all of eternity with your risen savior who loves you, who knows you, who died for you, who rose from the grave in victory. This fire, friends, in my heart, just keeps getting stoked. The fire growing day by day as we believers pursue the things of God with more intensity, as we pursue what he's called us to, and it will never go out because of what Christ has done. Giving true believers understanding of the scriptures, right, that spiritual sight by the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm so grateful for that. So believer here this morning, remember that initial fire that was lit in your heart by the Spirit and continue to pursue Christ as you live a life that's more and more on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, who has, made, who has been made known to you in the breaking of the bread. Friends, I pray that the fire in your heart for Christ continues to grow forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for this time that we get to look to your word. Your living word, Lord, because it's rooted in the living Savior. The word of God, Jesus Christ himself. Be with us, Lord. Continue to grow us in knowledge of the scriptures. That our hearts would continue to stir and burn and that we'd have this fire for you, this deep zeal and conviction that all of the truth and meaning and purpose in our lives ultimately comes from you and that our lives, Lord, would be a clear display of the glory of God. Use us, Lord, as vessels. Be with us as we continue to worship. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.